We are back after a short period off. The Off Talk Film to Me podcast is back for your listening pleasure. This is going to be the first podcast where one of the hosts literally spends the entire time at a grand piano. John, my boy, take it away. So, in this podcast, we're going to be reviewing Hobbs and Shaw, the latest in the Fast and Furious franchise. We're also going to be talking about the latest trailers to have dropped from Gemini Man to The Irish Man to any other man in between of that. And finally, we're going to be playing a game where John the Maestro takes us back to the cinema for his grand piano in John Play It Again. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It has been a minute since our last pod, but you know what? I've got my boy John. How you doing, pal? I'm amazing. I've missed you. I've missed everyone. Um, how are you doing? You had a good week? It's up. I've had a great week. I've been binge watching The Boys on Amazon. Have you heard of this? No. Is this a reason to get Amazon? Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's one of the reasons you might want to get Amazon, but basically it's it's John. You know what we've, we don't have enough of? Donkeys. Well, we don't have it. Well, it's donkeys, yes, but we don't have enough things about superheroes. And oh. Amazon decided to make a TV show. They acquired the rights to a comic book, and uh, it's a pretty adult graphic comic book. It's called The Boys. It's Essentially, it's a piss take on Justice League in an adult world, and they've made a TV show out of this. It's got a massive budget, great cast. Stephen, um, Simon Pegg's even in the first episode, from what I've seen, and Carl Urban's in it as well. It is pretty dark it's pretty gruesome it's pretty adult and you know what i'm fucking loving it and uh yeah all the people out there saying superhero fatigue fuck off let me have my moment and uh this is just another thing on that what are you watching at the moment oh what am i watching well i've been away so i haven't really been watching a whole lot but i did go and see toy story finally toy story 4 last week um but we were also in amongst trying to get a mortgage for a house. So, I, you know, when you can't really fully commit mentally to a film, that's how I felt. Mm. And then I watched Toy Story 1 with my niece, who is only two. So she's watching all these movies for the first time. And I couldn't believe how good that film is. And I, I actually think it's the best one. Holds up, doesn't it? And even, they started that animation in 91, as I spoke previously. It still looks good. Uh, but more than that, it's the script and the story is just, it's, it's so dynamite, good. Isn't it? It's so mm. good. And Toy Story 4, I enjoyed it, it was good, but it's not got like a patch on the first one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, we're, we're talking about a t- god tier of, uh, of amazing animated films here, just in general, the Toy Story franchise. But yeah, uh, the fourth one doesn't quite push the boundaries as the first one did. Saying that, what films growing up that you absolutely concur that aged up well? So what I mean by that is what like classic films that even now, even through the prism of like 30 years after they've been released, they're still classic stories being told. Toy Story is obviously one of them. I always think Land Before Time, like whenever I see that, that seems to hold up for me. Yeah. I think, considering it was panned at the time, uh, Hook is an incredible film because it oh, still gives you Hook. still gives you the feeling every little bit of that that that, that magic, especially if you're a kid watching that. 
Uh, and that, you know, Mighty Ducks, maybe that didn't hold up so well, but Hook is absolutely magical, and I'm bewildered that it's not seen as more of a classic movie, but... Yeah, man, I agree with that, especially considering, like, a lot of films nowadays that are being made that are riffing off of, like, childhood or beloved classical characters, they tend to follow this new path that Hook paved the way for in terms of that thing happens, they've grown up, and now they've got to revisit that. And they've done that in that Christopher Robin movie. Uh, there's a couple of other narratives that have come out this year that I think were heavily influenced by the likes of Hook. But uh, also, Dustin Hoffman's performance in that. Oh, my God. I can watch that for days. Yeah. I mean, that's you don't realise it as a kid. You just think, oh, that's scary, Captain Hook. You get in that, As an adult, you're like, oh, actually, he's carrying that movie, along with Robin Williams, of course. But between the two of them they're doing a lot of work in that and yeah, yeah definitely so that's what i would that would be my vote an underrated that's that's yeah i agree with that might put it on the twitter account later actually to see if uh see if anyone can concur with that uh, you can get in contact with us on twitter at talk filmy to me um gotta say actually underrated performance in that as well you've got to give it to old bob oskins he was so good as me oh mate the best me that there's ever been. I mean, it's not a huge <laughs> list, but... Uh... Hashtag my shmi. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Anyway, right, speaking about, about shmees and everything in between of that, should we crack on with our first review? Luke Hobbs and Decker Shaw. We've got unfinished business. Shaw's sister took something from me. A virus could wipe out half the population and I want it back. You want to tell me just what we're doing? Uh, after the last Fast and Furious film, there's a few tensions on set between some of their stars, one of them being The Rock, one of them being Vin Diesel. And the studio decides to go, what do we do here? We've got the biggest star on the planet who everyone is loving. He is a man at the moment, a man of the people, and the other person's Vin Diesel. What are we going to do to try and solve this problem? I know we will do a spin-off taking The Rock's character, maybe some other things, and see where that goes. So this is what's birthed the first spin-off from the Fast and Furious franchise. This is actually the ninth film uh, along that franchise, and this is focusing on The Rock's character, uh, Luke Hobbs, and uh, Jason Statham's character, Declan Shaw, and it's Hobbs and Shaw, or The Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, it's kind of weird, because Jason Statham started as a bad guy in these films, and he actually killed one of the main characters, but somehow they've gone, oh, we like you, you lovable rogue, and we'll just change the story so that you're actually all right, and you become one of the good guys, which is ter- typically what happens in all these franchises, right? The villain eventually sees himself become the the good guy anyway so essentially what is this film about so there's a new member of the Shaw family that's been introduced uh, played by Vanessa Kirby Uh, she is a member of MI6 because why not and uh, she intercepts a weapon a weapon that is being hunted by a mysterious bad guy called Brixton played by none other than Idris Elba Uh, she decides the best way to hide this weapon which is you know, spoiler alert, it's a virus, and the best way to hide this is to inject herself with it. By the way, um, guys, 
Mission Impossible 2 called? They wanted their plot device back? Anyway, that aside, she has 48 hours to get this virus out of her system. Obviously, her brother gets enlisted to help, but from the American government perspective, they recruit, obviously, none other than The Rock's character to pursue in this. This is about two guys that fucking hate each other, that have got every reason to hate each other, but have the buddy together to basically save the world. Idris Elba, literally the first thing he says when he comes onto the screen, when she says, who are you? The only thing he responds with is just, bad guy and just has a kick-ass fight and look what do you expect from this it's the fast and furious franchise it's big it's explosive it's dumb and i am fucking high-fiving for it ladies and gentlemen my name is adam flynn i'm 33 years young i fucking love this movie john fast and furious where's that sit for you do you can you watch them do you like them do you get any joy out of them i don't get a whole lot of joy but i am gonna give this one i'm gonna give it a go but i've heard some interesting stories obviously the one that's doing around is that they refuse to uh, lose a fight, right? Either The Rock or Jason yep. Statham, they will not lose a fight in the film as part of their <laughs> demands. Uh, can you tell me yep. any more about that? Yeah, so there's a recent um, Wall Street Journal article that came out today specifically about the demands of the Fast and Furious actors. Um, they're all, let's face it, they're all A-list celebrities. They're all alpha males who think they should be top billing. And uh, they have some really interesting demands to their contracts. Uh, in fact, during the Fast and Furious movies, Vin Diesel actually brought in his sister to be a producer. And her job, I shit you not, was to count the number of punches that Vin Diesel received and then counted the number of punches he gave out. And if that wasn't an even number, she would fucking complain. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, Like, really, is this where we've come to? But yes, uh, they are... the. The fights in these films are favoured more towards our heroes looking good and kicking ass. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, a lot of people actually were kind of shitting on this film after the press screening last night. But in all honesty, what were you expecting? This is about the big action. This is about the big spectacle. I do believe this has actually breathed new life into the franchise. The Rock is as charismatic as ever. Jason Statham, although I think he's like 52. Yes, he is like 52 and he is still able to pull off these films in a believable way. So long may that continue. Look, I I really enjoyed this film. And yes, it's, it's, it's very predictable. Yes, some of the plot is a bit questionable the fact they've managed to literally go around the other side of the world within a matter of hours and claimed like it was all part of the narrative there are a couple of cameos in this film and one of them specifically i have no fucking idea how they've managed to keep this as a secret because this person is one of the biggest stars on the planet in my opinion when that person's name's involved to a project you hear about it and he or she, uh, nearly dropped the spoiler and um, when that person appears on screen you literally have a moment where you go what they got them and there was people whooping around the cinema yes we were all given free booze and pizza before that so that probably helps as well but essentially this film is just fun it's just joy to be had the dialogue between the rock and jason statham sometimes is grade a Mwah! this is hilarious it's just tough guys that don't like each other busting each other's chops goes on a little bit too long i think jason statham was allowed to improv just a little bit too much there's one scene where he's literally describing the rock back to him saying look you can't be conspicuous you can't keep incognito you're obvious it's not your fault you're like a pair of bollocks on a bulldog just swinging around <laughs> and, and you're just like what what is going on here like where where is this going 
But look, this is absolutely great. Idris Elba, he is relishing. He literally calls himself Black Superman because he might as well be Black Superman in that film. His words, not ours. And he's he's great in it. Um, you know, where does this go with the Fast and Furious franchise? I have a feeling that they're going to carry this narrative into the next Fast and Furious film, which is being made at the moment, Fast and Furious 9, uh, with everyone else. And I think there's going to be a continuous thread there is something happening here, though, and I think Marvel have done this well because, John, you know, being the film buff I am, all I do is talk about Marvel films, that essentially when you have a character that isn't just in one incarnation or two or maybe even a trilogy, but across five or six cinematic experiences or, or even beyond that, that character evolves, that character transcends, that character becomes part of the actor, the actor becomes part of that character. And that means you can explore it in such a way where it becomes meaningful. And I'm not saying that the Fast and Furious films are meaningful, I'm saying that there's, there is fertile ground for creativity. And you can see, you, know, you think, oh, where are they going to go next? Well, the truth is, you've been on a journey with them, and you get to see that journey go into more of a fruition. And I think more and more films are going to start doing this. Look, the, the stuff that works, your John Wicks and things like that, why not keep making more films? If you can find creative ways, and judging by the contracts that these guys have, you have to find creative ways to put them in situations, because if you don't, they'll fucking bitch and moan that they're not getting the looking hard and tough and all that sort of stuff in between. This is this is great fun. I think that there is definitely joy to be had. Look, go to the cinema, have a beer beforehand, make sure you've got your mate with you, and you're going to be high-fiving throughout the film. If you go in there with the, oh, I thought dialogue was a little bit too weak and I thought that the premise wasn't particularly believable and it's not exactly grounded in reality and the physics are completely off. And remember when it used to be about cars? Look, this is not for you. Don't see it. There's got to be plenty of other people that will see this. This will do a billion, probably. Every other fast film recently has done it, so why not this? And when it's The Rock pushing it, chances are he's going to be pushing it big style. So I I have a feeling that this is going to be the first of many spin-offs. I hope so. It was enjoyable from that perspective. Yeah, Where can I kick this film? Where's the downside? Yes, the plot is a little bit thin. Yes, as mentioned before, the dialogue is a little bit... Did you have? Is that the best? Maybe the script could have been punched up a little bit more. But you've got so many great people. I think Vanessa Kirby is hilarious in this. Uh, Helen Mirren, she's reprising her role as the, as the mother. She's only in it for a little bit, but when she's in it, she's funny as fuck. So hopefully we get to see her back in more films in the future. I've got to be honest, though. Obviously, it's not a spoiler alert to say that Idris Elba's the bad guy. There is another bad guy orchestrating, pulling the strings. You never know who it is. It's just a voice on a screen. And that's obviously going to be the big, big bad across all these films. And I have to say, it's almost like Inspector Gadget. You know, that, that basically, that dastardly hand. I'll get you, Gadget. It's, it's basically like that, to be fair. But it's all part of the charm. And yes, there's a legitimate bit. I was talking to Helen from Empire on Twitter about this um, last night. Was that there's a helicopter that legitimately just sounds like a transformer. It's even making a wow, wow, whatever noise Michael Bay does. And um, you just can't help but go, you know what? It's big, dumb. It does make you think of the action movies of yesteryear. I'm talking about the 90s. Think about bad boys, like just how it was just all about the action, the fun and the dialogue. And oh, a shot of someone's ass. Anyway, back to the fun you know it was, it's kind of a, a it makes your heart back to a simpler time as well i i enjoyed it i'm going four out of five look this isn't going to rewrite the rule book on on great films but you're gonna have a great time anyway there's something i do want to add though john and you know tell me if i'm being a dick for this the um, person sitting next to me w- mm-hmm. was a was a film journal at i don't know where but i assume somewhere reputable because she seemed very professional and she was making notes she was writing her review during the film 
on her phone. Like, who the fuck does that? Like, who the fuck is literally there, phone lit up, lighting up your face, and you are writing your review, and she left even before the film ended. I was just like, hey, that's rude, and you know, <laughs> you're there as a guest. Yeah, soak it up, enjoy it a little bit. She missed the post-credits thing as her fucking fault, eh? But yeah, the whole thing of like writing your review on your phone, like actual legitimate people far better than us at this. Yeah, can you please comment on this? Like, is this is this good etiquette, bad etiquette? I, I don't know. How did you know she wasn't texting? You were reading her review, were you? Yeah, I was actually reading her review. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it was pretty obvious it was a review because it was like that's she literally bad. had notes etiquette. open and just writing loads. Yeah, I think that's bad etiquette. Um, but Flinty, you teased us with that cameo. Are you not going to tell us who it was? No, I want you to enjoy it in the cinema. Like, that would be a massive spoiler. Well, Beyonce came to mind. I don't know if that's who it is, but... I'm going to find it. Like Adam Flynn confirms, it's not Beyonce. Um, But what I can say is that it should put a big smile on your face. This person is very, very, very charismatic. And uh, yeah, it just, it's just absolutely great. I'll tell you off mic if you want, but I won't do it on the pod because, because I, you know, contrary to some of the complaints we do get John I do actually care if people get spoiled by films or not. And we're trying to class up the place. (laughs) We have. But yeah, we're a classy podcast, exactly. And if you're thinking about should you have a film spoiled or not, think about would you want that spoiled for you? Adam Flint, the Mr. Rogers of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there you have it. Four out of five. The Fast and Furious presents colon Hobbs and Shaw. Tell me this is not happening. News. You kind of talked about Beyonce in the previous review, John. But anyway, let's talk about The Lion King. Uh, the remake we reviewed a couple of weeks ago. We thought it was okay, uh, but okay is probably not good enough for something of The Lion King's prestige. Um, but who gives a fuck about what we think? Because this has just made a billion dollars. And this has only been out for a couple of weeks, so that is a race of knots. Uh, John, do you think the Disney machine's going to slow down anytime soon? Well, not at this rate. If you can get a... I mean, this was widely reviewed average to poor, right? And it still has made a billion, uh, which kind of upsets me because it it just gives the green light to so many projects that they were like, well, it's not very good, but I think it might make a billion. And now all those projects are probably going to happen whilst the original scripts are going to get tossed to one side. But... um, did you see on Twitter someone had recreated the art for Lion King? Uh, so it was less National Geographic and more like the original. Uh, oh, really? I, Did it I work? It, it looks so much better. It's so much better. I mean, it was basically like Simba and Pumbaa. They were recognisable as the original characters rather than the kind of weird, you know, uh, nature documentary style that they seem to be going with. Um, which, in my opinion, doesn't quite work. Did you talk about that in your review? I did, John. In fact, I go into the technical details of the limitations of the animals' facial expressions, meaning they can't emote. And it doesn't matter how good your dialogue is, because great dialogue will make you believe, but great expression will make you feel, and I didn't feel enough. <laughs> That's why <laughs> you're a pro, Flinty, and you shouldn't put yourself oh, down yeah, anymore. Yeah. And you should take notes in the cinema. That's oh yeah, obviously, and that's my way of saying it don't look right. But um, yeah, yeah, I 
I'm happy that Disney is making lots of money because I like lots of Marvel and Star Wars films, you know, so hashtag come at me. But um, look, everyone keeps moaning about the lack of originality, but you are aware that, like, A, The Lion King wasn't even original to begin with. It's a rip-off of some Chinese animation, and basically it's Hamlet with lions, and everything originates back to Shakespeare anyway. Uh, Aladdin is a story that's a 1,000 years old. The Little Mermaid is is like an ancient Danish tale that none of these were original to begin with. So so kind of park, shelve that for a second. Just enjoy the experience you're getting. And um, yes, it's an okay experience, but as mentioned, probably with the prestige of a film like The Lion King, holds very dear... And John Favreau knows this. In fact, I think John Favreau said in an interview when uh, Donald Glover turned up, he knew his lines. He knew his lines before he got the fucking script because he he breathed this film as a kid. So, um, so yeah, you know, long may it continue from that perspective. Do you know Disney's made like eight billion dollars this summer alone? Oh Put that in context, man. Me. That's insane. This that is, is they must insane. be breaking records. They, yeah, I don't think we'll ever have a... I think this is a very, very weird year, or like a, a unicorn year in film, because we had uh, we had Avengers come to its its conclusion. It's not its end, but a conclusion of a chapter with, um, with the Infinity Saga. Uh, we've got Star Wars coming to an end with its saga uh, at the, around Christmas time. We've had Game of Thrones come to its end as well. So in terms of like media and pop culture, like this is the sum of all the parts. So naturally, the rewards should be anyway. Um, very, very high for that. Anyway, speaking about Star Wars and things like that, um, we've got Matt Reeves' Batman movie coming out uh, in the next couple of years, and he recruited Craig Fazer. He is the guy who done the cinematography for Rogue One. Now, whether you like it or not as a film, I think we can all agree it was a beautiful-looking film. Uh, John, have you seen Rogue One? Was that like a thing? Did that pass you by? No, I like Rogue One. I, I mean, I liked it. It wasn't as good as the uh, wasn't as good as the first one, in my opinion, Force Awakens. But I thought it was a kind of a good spin-off. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was and a beautiful-looking film. Yeah, yeah, it was shot beautifully. So I can't wait to see how he's going to take his view on Gotham on this. It's going to be a dark sort of uh, film noir setting and stuff like that. So interested to see. I've got Bill from Batman on film coming on at some point in the near future. So um, I'll get his inside scooping it as well because Bill has literally fingers in every pie so it'll be good to see what I can tease out of him anyway let's talk about something I know is going to get you excited John you like your boy Sam Mendes don't you I do I do you like world more like films about wars don't you like World War 1 World War 2 Star Wars maybe but mainly the actual real wars uh, that's that's Bloody a good thing for you right I've, yeah. right so his latest project is going to be a World War 1 movie and by the way have we, have we got enough fucking World War movies? I've had enough of that. Anyway, I think we're getting World War fatigue. But <laughs> but um, he dropped his trailer for his first uh, World War movie. It's going to be called 1917. What did you think? I uh, I quite enjoyed the trailer. It wasn't like your typical, uh, you know, crazy dynamic trailer. It, it had some sort of interesting style. So I can't ascertain whether this is based on a true story or just based on the World War. But uh, I couldn't really find that out. But I'm interested to know because, as you know, I'm a sucker for a uh, a World War-inspired story. So, um, yeah, but I'm, re- I'm really excited about this one. I think it looks good. Uh, I'm, I'm all up for it. You feeling, you Apparently feeling he- positive? Uh, I I can take it or leave it to be honest. Like I know World War movies you absolutely adore. I'm, I can, I, I'm indifferent to them. I, I think... For me, they peaked at Saving Private Ryan, and 
you're never going to reach those kind of highs again. But what do I know? Um, I think Sam Mendes is an amazing director. I absolutely love Skyfall. I also think that he's got the same cinematographer coming on board to do this as well. And if that's like, if that's that combination is going to be there, then you know, regardless of what comes out of this, you're still getting a beautiful film because they make beautiful music together. So I, yeah, I really want to see where this goes from that. Let's talk about the other trailers that drop. So. The Irishman, which is literally just Scorsese royalty all in one film. It's a Netflix original, uh, if you could call it that. Uh, The trailer dropped for that as well. I mean, yeah, what can we say that hasn't already been said about this film? We've got Joe uh, Joe Pesci back in it. We've got uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Oh, it just goes on and on and on. What did you think from this trailer? I yeah, this is properly pumped up, and if it, this is like Netflix flexing its muscles, right? Saying, uh, you know those, you know Oscar-nominated winning movies for the last fifty years. Well, we're now literally buying everyone involved in all of those and just making our own blockbuster movies. I really hope it's good. Uh, obviously, these guys are like well into the twilight of their careers um <laughs> but it still looks like it's going to be an, an awesome movie um so yeah well excited yeah I agree with you although for some reason they've decided to de-age um robert de niro for a couple of scenes i don't know if it's meant to cover someone's life or something like that i don't know the full details but it, I i've it got to be honest it i didn't i thought it looked like a ps2 game <laughs> I I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, how have, have they done that? I thought it looks good. But, uh, you know, if you complain hard enough, Flinty, they might might get that changed before it comes out. Maybe. Maybe Sonic the Hedgehog will be superimposed over him. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> At least it'll look better than Cats. <laughs> yeah, well, if it looks better than Cats, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the, this cast, they don't need to do this. No one needs to earn this sort of money. They're doing it because of the love of the craft. And also, we're putting the team together. You know, you've got a lot of amazing people in front and behind the camera. I hope we get to see Al Pacino firing on all cylinders. I kind of just want to see him where he goes crazy and just goes, oh, or whatever he fucking does when he goes nuts. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Um, but I... I I really love this. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I'll tell you another trailer drops that I absolutely loved. I really enjoyed Zombieland, like a few years back. Or more than a few. I think it's nearly a decade, actually. Fuck, I'm old. Um, since the, since the first one. Oh, my God. So, literally, yeah, yeah Double Tap is, is here now. But the cast, don't, other than, obviously, the, the little girl, she's obviously grown up. But the rest of the cast look like they haven't aged a day. It looks incredible. What do you think from the trailer? Yeah, looks fun, looks exciting. You love a zombie movie um, and lots of jokes and gags. Jesse Eisenberg flexing some comedic muscles. Woody Harrelson, uh, it's got a great cast. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for this one. A lot of hype for this one as well. There is, and one of the things in the original zombie land movie was uh, bill murray's random cameo sorry spoiler alert from 10 years ago bill murray's randomly in it and um, i really hope they find another ghostbuster to like randomly cameo in this and just make it a thing i think that'd be quite funny yeah, that's, well, pitch it twitter poll. yeah I'll, I'll uh i'll, I'll put a twitter <laughs> poll on her and see what ghostbuster we can get to be uh um I, one would presume because they've finished making a film cgi'd in uh with sonic the hedgehog um but you absolutely loved Mindhunter, didn't you, on Netflix? Oh, yes. Mindhunter is a bit of a 
gold dust for me. I thought that's one of Netflix's absolute triumphs. Not for everyone, but if you want to feel really dirty and murky and psychologically tested, <laughs> then watch the first series of Mindhunter because it's... I thought it was a bit of a slow burner. It was a bit oh, too slow for me. I enjoyed it, but it was a bit slow. But it still burnt, right? It was a slow burner, but it burnt good. Ah, oh, I like I like your pull there. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Anyway, season two is coming out very soon, and they dropped the first trailer. And uh, yeah, it's it's more of the same, right? If you love the first season, then this is amplifying those stories upwards. Would you agree they're with that? Not, yeah, they're not giving much away in it though, um, which hopefully is not because there's not a lot going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're obviously the real big, big guy, creepy guy with glasses and moustaches in it again, which is. Great, he's a really amazing performance, very creepy, um, and the, the cops are there obviously going to lead it, but it didn't really give away much in terms of who you know, they're focusing on, um, who they're trying to catch. So, But yeah, I've, I think hopefully this is going to be as good as the first series, uh, otherwise it is at risk of being really boring. <laughs> if it doesn't hit the right <laughs> notes, you know, like you said, it's a slow burner yeah. for you, you know, any slower, then it's going to turn a lot of people off. But um, I'm, I thought the first season was great, so I'm well excited for this. Yeah, I mean, and when it's Fincher involved and all those guys, you can't help but but be intrigued, right? So just to, to wrap off the trailers and stuff that was dropping over the last week, uh, we've talked about this when the first trailer dropped, but the next trailer dropped for it, Gemini Man, uh, Will Smith versus Will Smith, or they should have called it Kill <laughs> Will. And uh, nice. look... Is this is this film because Will Smith was tired of having other co-stars and wanted so much top billing that he decided the only logical conclusion would be being a film where you're both stars? <laughs> yeah, it's it reeks of another film, of another real average to poor Will Smith movie. But I don't want to prejudge it. But he's one of them people that he could do ten in a row, absolute stinkers, and it wouldn't affect his kind of status, right? Uh, mm, other than yeah, make I agree us a little bit upset because we love him, but I just keep watching Fresh Prince clips on Facebook. That's absolutely fine. They know what I like. Have you seen that gritty reboots trailer that was done of Fresh Prince? I have not. I will send it to you after this pod. Like Google it. Basically, some film student out there decided to make a trailer for if they rebooted the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in 2019, what that looked like. And it's actually made really well, like to the point where Will Smith was like sharing it on social media, like saying how cool it was. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 there you go. That that gives you hope that there's a uh, there's fresh print stuff still to come. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I I don't feel too jazzed about this film. Uh, you know, we've been sent a bunch of media stuff for it, and you know, and thank you so much. And we will go to anything you invite us to. But um, but yeah, I can't. I've got to be honest. If we can't be honest. Then you know when we say something's great, how are you going to believe us? Um, I'm not necessarily uh, too pumped about this just yet. Um, the effects look kind of cool, and yeah, the concept of Will Smith from the '90s having a fight with Will Smith in 2020 is 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 interesting. But um, yeah, I think they're going to really struggle to to push this one. I agree. Will Smith needs a hit. He has not had a hit for a little while now. Um, in fact, when was Will Smith's last good film for you? I've. I don't... I honestly couldn't say who... I Am Legend? Yeah. Yeah, I think. That was the one that came to mind. Um, 
but yeah, that's that is an old film, right? At this point, yeah, it's like eleven. Uh, what's the one where he had? He basically spoiler alert. He he gives away parts of his body to different people. Is that five pounds? Five rounds? Something to five pounds? That was quite good. <laughs> yeah, but this is. I guess this pretty much proves our point, right? It's. Um, but like we said, he's he's royalty, so yeah, uh, we can't slag him off too much. He's exactly Will Smith is a god to us. And speaking of people that have godlike status, Jason Momoa, um, he has a new film coming out. And you think in an age of uh, trying to find diverse storytelling and plot devices, which aren't just the same tropes being done again and again, um, we'll find something really interesting. Well, Jason Momoa's next project is going to be a revenge film about someone who kills his wife. <laughs> wow! They might as well have just called it the Frigging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a scary person to have after you. So you killed the wrong person's wife, in my opinion, Mr. Man. But um, it's going to be a good... You go, you go to watch that one, Flintley. You enjoy a good re- revenge. I, I will do. You know I will. And Liam I just Neeson's think it's basically... <laughs> exactly, right? It's taken with Momoa. Um, <laughs> Momoa taken, however you want to call it. And I suppose just to finish off with news and talking about action and violence and everything in between of that... Uh, Rambo Last Blood has been given its certificate um, apparently anyway and uh, it, they are going for it and they are happy for it to be it's going to be rated R so Rambo Last Blood is going to be as gory as fuck and they are not going to dumb it down or what's well, say dumb it down <laughs> you can't really get much dumber can you but they're not going to uh, they're not going to soften it they're not going to they're not going to play down so that they can get younger audiences in there making this for the hardcore fans and you got to applaud that as it should be there we go. Anyway, that's your news for this week. As mentioned on the podcast, we've decided we're going to class the joint up a little bit. John, being a musical genius that he is, is actually recording this pod at a grand fucking piano. Yes, that's right. You don't get that on other podcasts, do you? He's literally at a giant piano. <laughs> there you go. I'm a little bit... Beautiful, well, beautiful. So we'll see how this goes. All best podcasts are done under the influence of alcohol. And uh, we're going to basically play a game. The game's going to be John is going to play some very well-known movie themes and I am going to guess the film. He's only going to play a few notes. Um, We haven't got a jingle for it. In fact, John, you might want to just do a jingle on the spot in a second, but I'm just going to call it Play It Again, Johnny. Play it again, Johnny. I like that. Play it again, Johnny. Boom. Um, Okay, so are you ready for your first one? Go on then, let's go, let's go. There's going to be four. You're going to know the films. Um, I'm only going to play a few notes for you, and then maybe I'll play the rest of it after. Are you ready? Hit me. First one. Oh, Jurassic Park. Go on, hit me, play it again, Play, play it again, Johnny. So obviously that's Jurassic Park. That's easy. Okay, we're going a little more. Amazing. This is one of my favourite. Here, are you, are you ready? Just hit me. Let's go. Notes. Got it. Eternal sunshine and a spotless mind. Oh, it's this is too easy for you. Okay, play it for me. Play it for me again, John. Play it again, Johnny. Valentine's Day was made to make people feel like crap. (laughs) 
Actually, John, stop it before we get a cease and desist. <laughs> there you go. That's one of my favourite piano themes from a movie. It's amazing. Oh, uh, that's right. Beautiful. Two two. Well done. Okay. Another one. It's kind of similar. I just wrote this out before we started, so I just um, this might come out wrong. Here we go. Are you ready? Go for it. Oh my god, that's on the tip of my tongue. Can you play it again, Johnny? Ah, it's so charming. <laughs> oh, it's so whimsical and melancholy. I know. I don't know. Tell me. I have to. I have to pass. Lovely. Damn you, La La Land, for being so whimsical and enchanting. Fun fact. Okay. Lent played piano in about six months and then delivered that performance, which is uh, infuriating and impressive at the same time. I reckon I could do it in six months. I could do it in six weeks if it's just that one song. Ain't that hard. (laughs) Easy peasy. (laughs) No problem. Oh, sorry. We're trying to be classy, aren't we? Um, yeah, sorry. So, are you ready? I'm going to give you a, like half a second in this one because this should be easy. Okay. So you've got two out of three. Can you make it three out of four? You ready? Yep, yeah, hit me. Oh, bloody. You're going with um, Celine Dion, ain't you? <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, you got to do the classic. Oh. No. Well, three out of four is not bad at all, Flinty. It is not bad at all. Didn't meatloaf say something similar? So, uh, no, it was two out of three. Damn it! But, uh, but John, that that was a fucking incredible. You talented motherfucker. Um, three out of four ain't too bad from that perspective. Uh, maybe next time you're around the piano, we'll do this again. Uh, if you've got ideas that you think we should try and play or get John to get involved in, get in contact with us on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. Play it again, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this and you think you want to listen to more, well, maybe, just maybe, you're willing to go a little bit further. Click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. I've been Adam Flint, but more importantly, my 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 hops to my shores, my peanut butter to my jelly, my K to my nine. John, how can people find you? <laughs> you can also find me on the cesspit of love, which is Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Descamento. There we go. Next week, we are back in the studio. Ooh. Also, Helen's going to be back from Empire. We're going to be announcing that on Twitter later on in the week, and I'll be doing a giveaway of one of her books. Also, Joanne, who was on the pod a couple of weeks back as well, she's going to be getting involved on top of that. And we have an interview, but I'll be saving that for the and announcing that over the Twitter account. So stay filmy till next time. Bye-bye. Cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.